0: Turn to Hebrews, Wayne can play anything, he can play anything, Hebrews chapter 12, we have so many talented people in this church, just loaded with talented people, Hebrews chapter 12, we're so glad you're here today. Hey, I'll remind you about it's not tomorrow night, but next Monday night, a week from tomorrow night. Jason's Deli, we uh, they're turning the restaurant over to us, to Family Worship Center, and we want to invite you. You usually eat dinner on at night, so uh, why don't you bring your family and come to Jason's Deli? I think it's between five and nine. I think it is. And uh, 15% of all the proceeds uh, will come back to uh, Family Worship Center to help us in our student center. We're doing some remodeling in there. And uh, so uh, this is a way to get all of our church family, as many as would like to come, uh, to come and it will benefit our, our ministry of our students and also be a great time of fellowship. And Jason's Get Deli has great food. So uh, that's not this Monday night, not tomorrow night, but a week from tomorrow night, from 5 to 9. And what we'd like for you to do is just sign up if you can come. Just sign up. And uh, uh, now you've got to pay. you got to pay whatever you... Yeah, the church is not paying for it. Uh, that would defeat the purpose, all right? Uh, but it's a time of fellowship and a time to uh, give back. They're going to give... Jason's Deli is giving something back to the church. So uh, put that on your calendar. You can sign up at our website to do that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. A couple of Sundays ago was the first Sunday of 2018, and we began 2018 realizing and declaring that 2018 is our year of blessing. It is our year of blessing. I hope every day so far this year that you have gotten up, and sometime during the morning you have declared, my family is blessed in 2018. I am blessed in 2018. My company is blessed in 2018. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And most of us spend a lot of our time murmuring and complaining about our plight in life. And if death and life are in the power of the tongue, all we're doing is speaking death when we complain and murmur about what's going on in our life. Why don't we turn that thing around and get life working out of our mouth and in our life and say, I am blessed in 2018. Well, pastor, I don't feel too blessed. Situations around me doesn't seem like I'm very blessed. Well, I want you to know you're blessed because you're a child of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Turn me down just a hair, bud. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, what's that next word? Yes. Blessed. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we are united with Christ. If you're a born-again child of God, you are blessed. Blessed. You say, well, I don't feel blessed. doesn't have anything to do with how you feel. Well, I don't look blessed. It doesn't have anything to do with how you look. We are blessed because we've been united with Christ. We are blessed. Listen. If we are united with Christ, then we are blessed by God the Father blessed is what we are, and blessings is what has been promised to us. So we must make claim and take possession of what rightfully belongs to us. Listen, remember, we, we've got a devil out there who still kills and destroys. And guess what, he, what he's after to steal and destroy? He's after your blessings. He didn't want you blessed. Why? Because blessed people talk blessings. Bless people brag on their Jesus. Bless bless people brag on what God's done for them. And the last thing Satan wants is somebody at your work bragging on what God's doing in their life. So he's he's come to steal, kill and destroy. Understand that. And here's what we must remember though. It's through our actions and attitude we can release God's blessings on our life or prohibit God's blessings on our life. You say, "Well, Pastor, I don't" I don't I'm not blessed. I'm, I don't seem blessed with all everything that's going on. It's our actions or attitudes that releases or prohibits God's blessings on our life. Let me prove it to you from scripture. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1. How many brought your Bibles? Good. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed. Blessed. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now this scripture tells us blessed is the person who doesn't hang out with the wicked, Blessed is the person who don't stand around with the sinners. Blessed is the person who doesn't sit with the murmurers and complainers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And if they'll put their confidence and focus on God's Word to be obedient to God's Word, God will release the blessings of God in your life. That whatever you do will prosper. So notice what he says. By doing the wrong things, hanging around with the wrong people, can hinder God's blessings. Doing the right things can release God's blessings. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, the word blessed literally means fortunate, happy. Fortunate, to be in a fortunate position due to being in Jesus Christ. Blessed means happy and to be in a fortunate position due to God's favor. And we have learned that as sons and daughters of God, being a part of God's family makes us blessed. So every day, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I am blessed. So we discovered 2018 should be your year of blessing. 2018 should also be your year of breakthrough. It'll be our year of breakthrough. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, that slows us down, especially that sin that sin the sin that so easily trips us up? And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us? During this year, why don't you join me in deciding that in 2018 will be the year that we break through, that you break through all the stuff that has been hanging on and been holding you back? So you can find freedom. 2018 can be your year of breakthrough. The writer in the book of Hebrews tells us. Notice what he tells us. Strip off. He says strip off every weight that slows us down. The word weight means a mass or encumbrance. A weight, what he's referring to, is something in our life that has attached itself to us which keeps us from walking in total freedom. I'm not talking about a sin here. I'm talking about a weight. Something that's attached itself to you over your course of your life that is keeping you from enjoying total freedom and is holding you back. For example, it could be a memory of something hurtful or painful that happened to you. And that memory prohibits us from moving forward out of fear. That it will happen again. There are some people. There's some people whose marriage vows were betrayed, and it was so painful and so hurtful, and they never. It created such a wound that they don't trust anybody anymore. They don't trust. And even today, if the marriage was saved, there's still a rift. There's still a wound there, and there's still some tension, even though that situation might have occurred years ago because of a memory. It's no sin that's taking place now, but the memory, it's like a weight that holds you back. I've had people over the years that have stolen money from me. Stolen money from me and Amanda. And if I'm not careful, I will, I will, I will, that hurt me so bad and, and, and hurt our situation so bad that we, if we're not careful, the memory of that will prohibit us from being used of God to invest again. And we'll miss our blessings. We'll miss our blessings. You see, it's a weight. It's not a sin. Nobody doing anything wrong, but something that happened to you years ago that created a wound, and now the memory of that wound is still alive. And it hinders you from going forward. That's a weight. He says to strip off the weight. It could be something as simple as a wrong perception. That we've believed about ourselves and that wrong perception has paralyzed us from taking a step of faith into God's plan for our life. Notice he says to strip off the weight that slows you down. Strip off the weight that slows you down. I see this quite often in talking with people about their dreams, their desires, and their destiny. They have a desire to go forward. Pastor, God put this in my heart years ago. I know I'm supposed to do this. I, I know I'm supposed to... My marriage is supposed to be like this. I, I, I know I'm supposed to uh, do daily devotions. I know God put it in my heart to work with children. I, I know God put it in my heart to, to work with youth. I, I know God put it in my heart to start my own business. I know God, I know there's something in my heart that He told me to complete my education and, and to get involved in... And, and you know it's there. It's in your heart, but you won't... You just don't finish it. It never materializes. And you live with it for years. Years knowing, I'm supposed to do this, but I hadn't done it. I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to go here, and I didn't go. I'm supposed to do this, and I didn't do it. And you've known that for years, and you still want to do it, but you still, it never materializes in your life. Why? It's because, usually because of a weight your life. Something is slowing you down from completing the plan of God for your life. For a lot of people, it's just a lack of confidence in themselves. They don't have any confidence in themselves. We look at others who have accomplished some things, and we start comparing ourselves with them. They are more intelligent. They are more beautiful or handsome. Now, that's never been my problem. I've never... (laughs) I've never felt inferior to anybody's handsomeness. I mean, I mean, you men know what I'm talking about. I mean, when you got it, you got it. I mean, John Mullane, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Now, The terrible thing, John don't have to worry about the intelligence or the handsome. Mine's just the handsome. And if I stay keep my mouth shut, nobody knows I'm dumb. So that's, that's what's wonderful about it. Some people have more talent. You look at them. I can never be like them. They have more money behind them. Well, I was raised from a poor family. They have a better education or they had more opportunities. And if we're not careful, we'll start comparing ourselves with other people and the dream of God never comes to pass. Why? Because of this weight that we just don't have confidence in ourselves. Let me show you the, the Scripture. If, if, if anybody should have done nothing, it should be me. If anybody should have done nothing, it should be me. I come from a poor family and and not an educated family, in a little bitty church. And I, I was like I was like Gideon. I was the the least in my family, and my family was least in the camp, and my tribe was least of all the tribes. I mean, I was the runt of the litter. And how the Lord has given us opportunities to go around the world and preach the gospel and now be a leader of men and women. And How did that happen? It shouldn't be me. But let me show you what I discovered. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13. I love it out of the King James. This is the one the Lord showed me years ago. For it is God which works worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Well, Pastor, I, I, don't, I know God wants me to do this, but I just, I don't think I can. Listen, it is God which worketh in you, both to will and do of His good pleasure. Look at the New Living Translation. It says it like this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And then my favorite one is the Living Bible. Look what it says: "For God is at work within you, helping you want to obey Him, and then helping you do what He wants." See, some of you have you have you have a dream in your heart. You have a desire. You have a call. You have a, a an itching to do something, whether it be to continue your education or or to take a step of faith in working in some area of the church or or, or doing something in your personal devotions or what you've got this you know on the inside you're supposed to be doing this, and you never get there you, you you know you're supposed to, but you never it never materializes why because this weight and a lot of it is just simply you don't have the confidence in yourself to step out there and do it and the bible says, don't you realize that if the one who put the desire in you is going to be the one that's going to help you to get it accomplished, but you've got to step out there first. You step out there first. There's been multitudes of times in Amanda and I's walk with the Lord that we didn't know which direction to go. We didn't know which direction to go. Should we do this? Should we do that? And the tendency is all just to hold back. Hold back. Don't you know don't want to make a mistake don't want to lose any money don't want to buy the wrong house don't want to do don't want to just hold back just hold back just hold back and we had a couple of situations where we held back and held back because of fear of making a mistake and we saw opportunity after opportunity after opportunity pass us by and finally i just said to the lord one day i said father I'm going to take a step of faith. I don't know which direction to go. I can go A, B, or C. I don't know which But I know one thing. Sitting here doing nothing is not your plan for my life. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to take... I'm, I'm choosing one, and I trust you love me enough that if it's not the right one, you'll protect me and pull me back. And every time that we approached the Lord and our decisions like that and took a step of faith, God would either open the door for that thing wide open to go or he would block it and pull us back and we'd go in another direction. Some of you just need to realize God put that desire in you. Now you take that step of faith and he will help you get it done. But for most of us, a lack of confidence in ourselves is a weight. And then notice what he says, Hebrews 12.1, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Then notice what he says, Especially the sin that easily trips us up. So weight is just something that, uh, that slows you down and keeps you. It's not a sin, it's something that's attached itself to us. But then he says sins. Strip off sins. What's that? Well, a sin is a transgression against God and His Word. It's an action or an attitude that misses the mark of God's way and God's will. And what's unique about this sentence is these are sinful habits that become just a part of our life. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. This is a sin that has captured us. It has bound us. And we are powerless to resist the temptation anymore. It just easily trips us up. The Holy Spirit here is referring to a sinful habit. A destructive addiction. Or a stronghold that is developed in our life. Notice it isn't a weight that just slows you down. I mean, you're going to get there... But it's going to take a while. This isn't a weight that slows you down. This is something that trips you up. You quit running. It takes over your life. You're not even in the race any longer. And we've seen people like that. You've seen people. You know people sitting here today. You know people who started out with God. And God had called them and God was using them. And they had a vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ But Satan got in there somewhere and either through a habit, a sinful habit or an addiction or some pattern of life that was ungodly, that thing became a stronghold in their life and now they might have lost their career, they've lost their marriage, they've lost their family, they're not serving the Lord anymore. What happened? It tripped them up. It tripped them up. And if you're here this morning and you secretly have a habit, maybe pornography. Or you secretly have an addiction, maybe to painkillers. And that thing is starting to really monopolize your time and manipulate your life. It didn't start out that way. But now it's starting to really grab you and, and, and take hold of you. And it's, you're starting to live as a slave to it instead of it being a help to you. If that's you, and that thing, the Bible calls it a sin that trips us up, I've got good news for you. God hasn't given up on you. It might have you, but it don't have to keep you. You might be bound, but you don't have to stay that way. I want to show you what the Hebrew writer said, what he did not say. Let me show you what he did not say. Look, he did not say this. Let us strip off every weight and run with patience the race that is set before us. But if you have an addiction, a sinful habit, or a stronghold, there's no help for you. It's too late. He didn't say that. Look at what he said. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run the race that God has set before us. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. Your future is not over. The plan and purpose of God for your life is still in play, but you must get free so you can get back in the race. You don't have to live this way the rest of your life. 2018 can be your year of breakthrough. Those things that have been holding you back, those weights. And if you have sin, a besetting sin, a habit, a pattern of life, an addiction that's now starting to control your life, you can get free of that thing in Jesus' name in 2018. You do not have to live that way one more day. You do not have to. You do not have to. Now, last week I shared with our church family that if 2018 is going to be our breakthrough year, we've got to embrace five things. Let me just look at them. Number one, an understanding that God's will for your life is freedom. You've got to know God wants me free. You don't have to be bound by fear. You don't have to be bound by lust. You don't have to be bound by cigarettes. You don't have to be bound by drugs. You don't have to be bound by alcohol. You don't have to be bound by jealousy. You don't have to live in insecurity. You don't, have, you don't have to... God wants you free. Yes, totally and completely free. He who the Son sets free is free in what? Indeed. In deed. Totally and completely free. So you, but first of all, you've got to have an understanding of that. Some, some Christians don't even think God wants them free. Number two, you must continually renew your soul, your mind, will, and emotions with God's Word. Number three, you've got to keep your flesh and your body under subjection. It's a daily exercise. Number four... To stay free, you've got to have accountability. you got to have accountability. Men, you can't get free from pornography unless you have accountability. I'm telling you, I was bound. I was bound. And I'd promise I wasn't going to look at that stuff no more. I'd promise I wasn't going to watch that. I'd cry and pray to God, ask Him to forgive me. Pray and cry and ask Him to forgive me. Pour out my heart to God, do good for two or three days after two or three days, here it comes back again. Temptation. It had me. It had me. And one of the things that helped me get free was accountability. If you're going to remain free, you've got to be accountable. Then number five, welcome the Holy Spirit's power in your life. you got to embrace the Holy Spirit's power in your life. I'm not going to talk about two, three, or four I was praying this week and I just really sensed that I this morning before I close, I need to emphasize number five. Because this is one that many of you have come out of churches and tribes and denominations and that know nothing. Have you haven't been taught about the power of the Holy Spirit. You understand there is a Holy Spirit, but you don't you just haven't been taught. Let me, let me teach you something. How many will give me eight minutes? I see that hand. Eight, 16, 24, 32. When the Lord wanted to set someone or something apart for a special assignment, he would have them anointed with oil. The anointing oil placed upon someone or something signified it was the Lord's, separated for his purpose. When the children of Israel had left Egypt and God said, Let my people go that they may worship me, the Lord built to set up a tabernacle, and then he set aside priests to minister worship and sacrifices to the Lord. We pick it up in Exodus chapter 29. Turn over to Exodus chapter 29 verse 4. God says this, Present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle and wash them with water. Verse 7. Then anoint him by pouring the anointing oil over his head. And then look at Exodus, one chapter over, Exodus chapter 30, verse 26. Use the sacred oil to anoint the tabernacle, the ark of the covenant, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the uh, wash basin with its stand. Consecrate them to make them absolutely holy. After this, whatever touches them also will become holy. Verse 30. Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests, and say to the people of Israel, This is holy anointing oil is reserved for me from generation to generation. So God had when God instituted worship, God had a tabernacle built, a church house built, and he said, Anoint everything with this special oil. This oil represented the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a magical oil. there was nothing in the oil that was magical. It was what the oil represented the Holy Spirit. And he said, Anoint the men who do the ministry. And then he said, Anoint the furniture in the house of God. Uh, let me just take a side road here. You know one of the reasons why we're not why the present day church is not seeing the miracles and the healings that it once did. One of the reasons... Do you remember in the New Testament when Jesus uh, went to the temple? Jesus went to the temple and he drove out the money changers? you remember that story? You know what those money changers uh, uh, signify, what that meant. It wasn't that Jesus was against... Because a lot of them were, uh, were selling the Sacrificial offerings. It wasn't that Jesus was against sacrifices, and it's not that Jesus was against the, uh, enterprise. It's, it was not that Jesus was against people having a fair business and a fair trade. He wasn't, he was driving out flesh, he was driving out irreverence. Irreverence had got into the temple of God. He said, You've made it a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of... And if you notice, the next few verses, after he drove out irreverence out of the house of God, then people started getting healed. People started getting healed. One of the reasons we're not seeing things today is because we have lost, in some degree, our reverence for the things of God. We've lost our reverence... For the house of God. And when since we lose our reverence for the house of God, the anointing is not able to flow as it needs to flow. I've been criticized, talked about, wrote about on Facebook because I don't let people eat in the church house. Well, there's nothing wrong with eating in the church house. But where do you draw the line of reverence? One day this will be a a gym again, when we have another worship facility, this will be a gym again and we'll eat and we'll spill things on the carpet and we'll grind it in and we'll have a big time. But someplace there has to be some boundaries of reverence. Some boundaries of reverence. So, literally, what happened here is that that they would anoint, they would separate the utensils, they would separate the priests to worship so they anointed them with oil. And now turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it over Saul's head. He, cut, he kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you or anointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. So when Saul became king, the prophet anointed him. When kings, priests, and prophets were anointed, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and empower and equip them to lead and supernaturally accomplish God's will. Well, you know Saul disobeyed God. And guess what? The anointing lifted off of him. So they had to find a new king. Look at 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16, 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. Fill your flask with olive oil, the anointing oil, and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be king. So we go down here to verse 5. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, Samuel replied. Purify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Notice what the Lord said, verse 7, "But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height. You tall people. You ain't got nothing on us short anointed boys. He said, don't look at his height. For I have rejected him. Now Y'all better straighten up, you tall, skinny boys. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. Look how tall and handsome he is. God says, I don't look like that. I like him short, fat boys. But the Lord looks at the heart. Somebody brought me a little thing from my office. I have it sitting in my office. It says, I'm not short, I'm fun-sized. <laughs> verse 8, then Jesse told his son Abimedad to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. Samuel said, this is not the one. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this the one. In the same way, all seven were presented to Samuel. And the Lord has not chosen any of these, Samuel said. Then Samuel asked, verse 11, are these all the sons you have? There's still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. Verse 12 So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. Verse 13 So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And they wrote songs about Saul, who was a great warrior, and they said, Saul has killed thousands. But then they wrote a second verse and said, but David has killed tens of thousands. Now how could a shepherd be a better leader in war than a trained military general? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, go to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Go over to the New Testament. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed, God anointed, God anointed, God anointed, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Him. What's important to understand about that is when people speak about the powerful things that Jesus did, healing the sick, delivering the oppressed and the many miracles, they usually say he was able to do those things because Jesus was the son of God. And he was the son of God, but he didn't heal anybody because he was the son of God. He didn't do any miracles because he was the son of God. The Bible says in the book of Philippians that he stripped of himself of his mighty power and glory. He laid aside his deity. He became a mere man. Let me ask you this. When Jesus was born, was he born the Son of God? Yes. When he was five years old, was he the Son of God? Yes. When he was ten years old, was he the Son of God? When he was twenty years old, was he the Son of God? Yes. He was the Son of God. But the Bible says in John chapter 2 that he didn't do any miracles until he was 30. If he did miracles because he was the Son of God, why didn't he do them at ten? Why didn't he do them at 20? Now the Bible says in Luke chapter 3 that John was baptizing in Jordan and Jesus went to be baptized and when he was baptized the the spirit came down as a dove and filled him. And the next verse says and he returned in the power of the spirit. And then Luke chapter 4 verse 16 says he got up to read in the synagogue at Capernaum. If you go with us to Israel this year, you'll stand in that very synagogue where he read that. And he got up and read. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the sick. To raise the dead. To minister freedom to the captives. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was anointed of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the kicker. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. Now, how in the world can we do what God said to heal the sick, minister to the oppressed? deliver the captive. How can we do that? I can't heal anybody. I can't deliver anybody. But the anointing of God that comes upon the people of God can set the captive free. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? I mean this. We thank God for counseling. We support counseling. We send people to counseling. We thank God for treatment centers. We support treatment centers. We send people to treatment centers. We thank God for all type of 12-step programs and celebrate recovery. We thank God for all of those. We we support those and s- s- send people to those all the time. We thank God for AA and Gamblers Anonymous. We thank God for all of those and we send people to those. Those are the parts of things that help you remain free. That's the accountability. But I want you to know something. There's it's another part of the equation that if you get in the presence of the Holy Spirit in one moment the Holy Spirit can invade your life and do something in a moment's time that it will take a treatment center two years to drive out of you. That's why that's why I, we constantly say welcome the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why do you think we continue on? I encourage you to worship after the worship is over. I'm trying to welcome in the Holy Spirit. If I can get Him in here, in His power, things will change in a heartbeat of time. If you're bound today, if that sinful habit has grabbed you, you can be free today. Stand with me, would you? In the first service, for some reason, I was led, just led to, to, to speak out the word fear. And we had probably eight to ten people after we dismissed that came forward and said, Pastor, I'm so, I don't know. One man said, I've never been scared in my life. I'm scared to come to church. I'm scared to get out of my house. Grown man. He said, I don't know what's happened to me, Pastor. It's just I'm scared all the time. See, a spirit of fear is trying to keep him from freedom and fulfillment in Christ Jesus. He was just nervous. His eyes were shaking. We laid hands on him. And all of a sudden, peace and calm came over him. Big smile. He said, I haven't felt this good in weeks. In a moment's time, the Holy Spirit can change a person's life anointing of God the anointing of God if you're here this morning and you're battling a sin that's grabbed you it's grabbed you maybe it's a secret thing Amanda and I and several of our people here Brother Verlin and Sister Jean who pray the prayer of deliverance we're going to be up here right after service If you want prayer, you come up here. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe the Holy Spirit to change you. To the rest of you who who don't need any prayer, we're just glad to have you today. And if you're visiting with us today, we welcome you to Family Worship Center. We have a gift for you, a Starbucks gift card. Hallelujah to God. So all you need to do is fill out that little connection card and... Take it right back there, right under that exit sign on my left back there. There's a table back there. If you'll turn that card in, we'll have some people back there. They'll take the card. And as our gift for you coming, we want to give you a, a free coffee on us. We're so glad you came today. Let me bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless the people of God. I thank you, Father, that 2018 is going to be our year of blessing. And 2018 is going to be our year of breakthrough. In Jesus' name. I thank you that these people that are here in this service, this week they're going to be blessed. No evil is going to befall them. No terror is going to come close to them. Accident or injury is going to stay away from them. They're going to have a wonderful, healthy, blessed week. The peace of God is going to rule their mind. They're going to have sweet sleep the contacts and the divine connections of God are going to come into their life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great afternoon.